And all the people said, Amen. The great gospel that we enjoy and delight in and preach and revel in Sunday by Sunday. Good to see you. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Wow. So we've had quite a weekend, you know, all of us in various places. Some have traveled and some of you are back and some are still out and it's just a good time of the year. I think it's my favorite holiday, Jared. Yeah, no. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. It has been a great, great time of the year. We enjoyed uh, just staying at home this Thanksgiving. You know, sometimes I think that's the best thing. We, we celebrate with friends a lot, but this year we stayed home and we just sat around the table and just enjoyed one another, and it was great. And um, but one thing I've been thankful for, I just want to say I've been thankful for your friendship, Kevin, yeah. for the last 16 yeah. years. No, it has been good to You've team together. You've been a great friend and mentor. Yeah, and so thank you. I'm you very make me cry here, Jared. <laughs> Don't do this to me. <laughs> That's what I'm thankful for. Yeah, so. thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a good friendship. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much to be thankful for. I... I, I you know, I love food. <laughs> you wouldn't. Like, God blessed me with a capacity too, to eat a lot and <laughs> not show it, you know? And I'm thankful for that, actually. And for the good friends that you get to sit around the table with and enjoy food together. Isn't that a great gift? Um, yeah, so we are. We are We're so, thankful for this uh, church, too, and the yeah, way that they've yeah. been over the last couple of weeks yeah. and months. You yeah. know, last Sunday we did a lot of things. <laughs> and uh, we're just thankful for how you, as a, as a congregation, um, jump into those things and do them do them really really well. You know, we passed a uh, 1.07 million dollar budget last Sunday, and that's uh, due to your faithfulness to giving to this church that we could do something like that and continue to do ministry here and around the world. So we're really thankful for you in the ways that you've been faithful to give. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for your generosity and and isn't it great that this gospel is just going forward? in this city. I mean, we've been here 16 years, and it is remarkable the number of new churches and the number of people coming to Christ and the number of baptisms that we're experiencing in this city. I, you never would have imagined it 16 years ago, and what a, what a great thing. And so uh, we've, we've put together now, I know these are quite exciting days and days of transition, and, and you know, life is always transitioning. It's always going to the next chapter for every one of us, and, and this is a, a day of transition for us, and many of you know, if you've been here around the last few weeks, that we are moving toward a new senior pastor, and we've put together a new search team last Sunday night at our business meeting. Uh, it'll be the, the church leadership team, the CLT we call it, and the elders together combined will be the search team for the church, and we'll work at who the next, chap the next senior pastor should be and bring to us their recommendations, and their first meeting is next Sunday. Sunday after church. So let's be praying for them. That's a critical decision uh, that they will be working at. And then also last uh, Sunday evening, we uh, took a vote, began a vote, and introduced to you Tono Rodriguez and Mike Kirby as two new elders, and they have passed. You all passed them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How gracious can you be? Like, that's really awesome. And so we'll be praying for them at the end of the service, and we're just really excited uh, for God raising up leaders in our church family. Yeah, and it's a good season. As Sean mentioned, we have our Christmas concert coming up December 8th and 9th at 6.30 p.m. That's a Friday and Saturday. And uh, be a part of that. It's always a good time just to enjoy Christmas music. And it's a great time to bring your friends and neighbors um, that don't know Jesus, because we will talk about Jesus, as we always do, and uh, yet there's going to be a lot of great music that they can enjoy, so we want you to be a part of that. And then on December 10th, this is Sunday, 
this is going to be Kevin's last Sunday, Kevin and Mary. Mm -hmm. And so at 9.15, we're going to have no discipleship classes, and we're going to have a, a reception in here for that hour to celebrate them. We're going to share a few things about them and just really enjoy and celebrate the ministry that they've had here. So make sure Sunday, December 10th, you come at 9.15 in this room. We'll have refreshments and just celebrate all that they have meant to our church. This is a really important time in our transition as a church. Yeah. Wow. It's coming fast, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, um, but we're in, a, we're in Hebrews today. So let's get excited about this and let's take a peek at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 to 18, as Alex read this morning. And this series has been, here comes a yo-yo. Come on, <laughs> Jeremiah, let's get your yo-yo. I might trip on that thing. That's my children. There it is. We love children and we love yo-yos. Yeah. So the series in Hebrews has been teaching us that Jesus is better than everything else life offers. Every other religious system, everything else that's been tried, nothing can compare to Jesus and what he has done for us in this gospel that we celebrate. And so we are in Hebrews 10, 1 to 18 today. And this chapter, as we have studied it, is very noticeable in that it's repeating almost everything that's been said in the last two chapters. He even quotes some of the same verses that he quoted earlier. So what is up with this author, Jared? <laughs> he wants to show us for the last couple chapters, chapters 7 through 10, this is really the core of Hebrews, right, that it's the gospel. And he's trying to emphasize to us, we got to get this right we got to keep the gospel right in the middle, right in the front and center. As Paul says in Romans 1, 16, he's not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the, the power of God for salvation. And so the author of Hebrews is focusing in on the gospel and what Jesus did for us. we got to get it. we got to get all the pieces so that we can be included in that salvation. And the world needs to know this. And so he's saying it one more time for us here. Yeah, so we, we never move on to something new or something better. Be highly suspicious of any teacher that says, oh, I've got something new and fresh and interesting that's different. Promise you that does not exist. <laughs> the gospel is the center message of God and always will be, and it is what changes our lives. It is the power of God for salvation. It is the central thing and always will be. And so we want to always keep it at the center um, of all that we do. And so let's, let's just think a little bit about what we have said here through chapters 7 and 10, uh, through 7 to 10, that Jesus is our great high priest. He's the better high priest. He's the perfect mediator between us and God as a sinful people and a holy God. And he eternally exists, always making intercession for us. Isn't that crazy? Jesus is praying for us as our perfect intercessor always has, always will be, and so we can rest in that. And he ushered in a new covenant. The old covenant taught us that here is God's law, and we are to obey it, and when we do, we are blessed. The problem with us is we can't keep the law. <laughs> Given laws, you know what we do? We go, I'm not going to follow that, <laughs> right? Not going to do it. Sorry. Do it all the time, don't we? We don't like laws. Was that a George Bush impression you just did? Actually, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> not going to do it. Well, not going to do it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So it's a new covenant now where God puts into us a new heart. And that heart desires to obey. 
and he purifies our conscience so that we are clean and clear in our hearts and in our minds and he invites us to join us on his mission. Yeah, and he's also shown us throughout these chapters that all of the Bible is about Jesus, right? He showed us how the, the law, the priesthood, all the sacrifices, though important and help people get near God, the fulfillment would come in Jesus. That Jesus did in a greater way what all these things were picturing. And so as we look back at those things in the Old Testament, he's reminding us that they point us to the salvation that we have in Christ. And that it is so much greater what God has done in Jesus to bring us into his throne room because we have this great high priest who's always serving before God. So as he comes back into chapter 10, he wants to make two more important points for us that we want to look at this morning. And the first one is this. It's the nature of our salvation. We'll talk about the nature of our salvation and the nature of our sanctification. But first he teaches us about the nature of of our salvation in two really important verses. Here's the first one. Hebrews 10.10, it says, By that will, or God's will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. So here's, here's the nature of our salvation, that Jesus died for us. His body was the offering for our sins, and it was once for all. God did it once It's over. There's no more work that can make us more acceptable to God. There's nothing else we could do. God did it once and for all in Christ's sacrifice. And so now we get to rest and enjoy God. There's nothing else we have to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it does kind of remind us. I don't know. We are now his children. And to be God's children is to walk in every blessing that he has for us. This is Christmas time. Kids love Christmas time, right? They just love it. The tree's up, right? They sit and just stare at it. Do you remember this? I, I remember as a kid, I just look at that tree, hoping that each morning there would be like a new present or something showing up. <laughs> but what was the blessing? I was my parents' kids, and they loved me, and they wanted to give me every good gift, and they were delighted when I enjoyed the gifts. They were eager to do this for me. Your kids like Christmas? They love Christmas. They sit at the Christmas tree? <laughs> They've been sitting at the Christmas tree since November 1st. Oh my because gosh. we set it up a month early this year. <laughs> don't, don't shame me, please. <laughs> we normally set it up after Thanksgiving, but we set it up because we have this staff Christmas party this week. Mm-hmm. We set it up early, and the very next day our kids sat by the couch in front of the Christmas tree because they're so excited <laughs> about what may appear below that tree later this month. Yeah, yeah. And they know their parents love them. That's right. And we'll most seek of the time. to bless them, right? Yeah, most of the time, yeah. And the Bible says in Luke 11 that if we as evil parents That's right. give good gifts to our kids, what about a good father in heaven? Won't he give us the best we could possibly have? We're his kids, yeah. right? And this comes through the sacrifice of Christ. Hebrews 10:12 says this, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. That means this is settled. It's done. It's over. You don't need to pay any penance. You don't pay any penalty. You are set free. And therefore we shouldn't be beating ourselves up for our failures and being self-critical. We are declared not guilty past present, and everything you're going to do stupid tomorrow. 
and the next year and the next decade. You are already cleared of all of that. If that sounds too good to, to believe that, then you got the gospel. It's just almost too good to believe. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is really hard to accept, right? As most of us are high-performing people, we can be very self-critical, and it's hard to accept this gospel sometimes, that God has completed the work, all of my sins are paid for, even those ones I'm going to do this afternoon and way into the future, the rest of my life, when they actually happen, you go, there's no way God could still love me, right? And yet the author of Hebrews is telling us, in Christ, those things are paid for. They were paid for 2,000 years ago, and when you do them, God gets to apply that forgiveness to your heart right then and there again and again and again if you're yours, if you're his in Christ. Yeah, so that's the nature of our salvation. We're completely accepted. We are God's children declared not guilty of anything we've ever done wrong. But there's also a certainty to this that's really important, that not only are we in that place today as accepted and loved children of God, but that is a promise for all eternity. And there is great power in this, mm -hmm. that uh, God is doing this work in us. And by the way, he's the one that's doing it. And it says in Philippians 1.6 that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. And so he will continue it. He will hold you. We hold on to him, but not nearly as much as he holds on to us. And even when we are unfaithful, he is faithful uh, to us. And so this gives us a unique power and strength. When we know the finish, when we know where we're going, when our future is certain, that frees us up to enjoy the present. we got to get this. Colossians 1, 3 to 5, Paul is thanking God for the Colossians' faith and their love towards each other. They were walking in this belief that, that they had found in Christ. But it says, because of the hope laid up for them in heaven. Because the future was certain, freed them up and empowered them to live sacrificially, laying down their lives for each other. Yeah, it's kind of like, do you ever have any of those movies that you just really love the ending of? Like, you know, you know the good ending that's coming, and so you can enjoy kind of the journey of the movie, all the struggles, all the things that happen in the movie, because you know what's going to happen at the end. This is kind of like Star Wars, right? You can watch the first two because you know Return of the Jedi and the, the final one is coming and they're going to win and it's all going to be great. This is what it is to be in the Christian life because we know Christ has dealt with our sins. God is completely happy with us. He will sanctify us through our life so that we can be with him forever. Then we can walk through the hard stuff because we know the end is really good. And so Christ's sacrifice once and for all brings us great hope about where we're going and power to live out this Christian life as we go through these different things. Yeah, it's such a practical application to this nature of salvation. But let's, let's consider now the second point here this morning. That is the nature of our sanctification. And this is a phenomenal verse. I encourage you all to memorize it because it is packed and loaded with theology, but also theology that just transforms us. In fact, we've been kind of just musing on this verse all week because it's been. such a striking verse. It is striking. It almost doesn't make sense when yeah. you read it. Like, no, it just hits you. Like, look at this, 1014. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time. That's us. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being 
sanctified. So, so God has written over our heads no condemnation. He's made us in perfect standing with the Father. When the Father looks at us, he sees his son Jesus, and as if we lived the very life Jesus lived, that's our standing, perfected. And yet, in that now, we are being sanctified. And these two are intimately connected. Yeah, so it's, you know, we think about the big picture of our salvation, and we were working at this a bit in our discipleship class this morning, um, talking about the big picture of our salvation, that God is saying, you are saved, and yet you're being saved, and, and one day you will be saved. Yeah. It's this interesting arc, this tension that we all feel between who we are now and what God has said about us, and yet we're in the process of becoming what God has said about us. Mm-hmm. It, it's a really, it's kind of a crazy thing, this kind of already not yet, that I am saved, mm-hmm. and yet I feel the difference between what is God has called me to and who I am and kind of where he's taking me through life to get there. Yeah, so we got to picture this. We, we are positionally perfect, positionally accepted, and yet we struggle to live in an honoring way to God. We are being sanctified slowly toward our perfection. It's just the coolest thing. And so we got to realize, like, we got to get this right, that we are in this uh, not yet, <laughs> but coming state where we will be completely perfected. And so not to be too hard on ourselves when we actually fall and struggle now. This is how God has designed it, to experience his mercy and his grace, things we never would have experienced without having to struggle with sin. In fact, God deliberately has left the sin struggles in us to teach us about his character and our need of dependence on him. And so while we stand positionally perfect, we're moving along, and I'm just going to say this, that your biggest day of sanctification is going to be the day you die. <laughs> you're, go- you're making some progress, but it's not as much as you'd like. And when you die, you're going to be holy and perfect just like him. And that's going to be the leap. <laughs> and just know that that's where we are at today. Like we are fighting this. And that's by God's design to enjoy him. Yeah, I mean, you can think of it kind of on a big spectrum, right? Like we take this big leap in sanctification out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light when we're saved, right? We're, we're now saved. God says you're perfect. And then we begin this journey that looks like the stock market up and down and good and bad and sometimes big drops and ups. And yet... We're working towards this point when we die, God will completely sanctify us and we'll be holy forevermore. And so we shouldn't be, again, too hard on ourselves when we fail because God has said, you're perfect, but let's learn to walk this out. And also, don't be too prideful when you get it right. Yeah. This is kind of both ends of the yeah. ditch. We can get too upset when we fail because we go, well, how could, you know, we failed again. God can't love me. No, he does. He sees you as perfect. And yet when we get too prideful, we say, well, check me out. I'm, doing my, I'm winning my salvation. And God says, no, you didn't. I did. Right? And so we begin as in our perfection and our pride. We set up our own laws. We keep it. And we become self-righteous thinking we're earning our salvation when it was God all along who did the once and for all sacrifice in Christ for us. And so don't be too upset when you fail, but don't be too prideful when you succeed. Yeah. To under- walk with God. Yeah, to understand this salvation um, and where we're at in it 
don't think of ourselves as more saved than we are, like we shouldn't expect to be perfect, nor less saved. We should be making real progress. And both of those things are, are warnings for us. I mean, Paul said in Romans 7.15 that, that I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. This is, and Paul, he probably knew a little bit about how to walk in obedience, you know? <laughs> like he, but he's struggling. If Paul struggles, we might struggle a little bit too. And, and it's a frustrating thing. It drives me crazy. I ought to be smarter than this by now, but I'm not. And I still do all the dumb things that I have done from time to time over my many years. Um, and so when we work with these young pastors and interns and these types, you know, we, we have these conversations. It's really fun. We love that they're, they're vigor for Jesus and their excitement to serve him. And yet the frustration that they feel when they constantly fall and stumble and go, oh my gosh, what is going on with me? And we say it will not get a whole lot better. It will always be a battle all the way through. When you are old and white-haired like me, you'll still be fighting it. And even in the midst of that, that Jesus loves them. He sees them as perfect. He is perfectly happy with you. And let that be your power to keep going. Yes. Yeah. And then be careful not to make this as an excuse for sin, right? (laughs) Romans 6 says, all right, I get grace now. You've been teaching me about grace through the first five chapters, the Romans say. And they say, well, then why don't I just do anything I want? Well, God forbid, right? Because you're new. You've made different. You're new. So act it. It's not an excuse to do anything we want. And so this balance of realizing it will be a battle, but also realizing that you are being changed. You've been transformed, and you've got power now to live for him. And so it's this position, it's our position with God through Christ that we, we have been made perfect. God sees us as holy and clean. This becomes the power for Christian living. You've you got to get this position right if you want to walk out this journey of sanctification. It, it's this position with Christ that becomes our motivation to stay away from sin, right? You know, you can think of it in, this, in these terms that, God has given us these white clothes, right? And we should not want to go play in mud puddles and get them all stained. God says, you're here. Okay, now I want to begin to walk and learn what it means to be in that position with Christ. Yeah. So our position really does affect um, how we live our lives. And when we do fall, to realize that it is actually his mercy and his grace that that changes us and gives us motivation to walk in holiness. Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so it's because of God being so gracious to us and so good to us and so kind to us that that changes our hearts and makes us want to obey and to know that and drink deeply of that. And so when we sin and we fall into it one more time, that besetting sin, did it again, right? That's when we preach the gospel to ourselves. We're accepted, we're loved. It doesn't change anything about my standing because my standing is God loves me, I'm his child, I am perfect in Jesus. And don't listen to the condemning voice of the devil, He's going to get you. He's going to bite you. He's going after you in that moment. You know this. As a Christian, he comes after you. Rebuke him. No, I am righteous in Jesus. And claim that position and confess your sins. Because the Bible says when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And get back up 
and go on fast. I think maturity is not that you don't sin because we keep sinning from time to time. Hopefully we get better as, as we go through life. But maturity is getting up more quickly because we know the gospel more deeply and we know who we are in him. And get up and go again uh, in the mercies of God. And so our position with Christ becomes the power that then sees us through these times of sin where God is teaching us about our own heart and sanctifying us. And yet, what's left then is a great freedom for Christian living. Yeah. Like, if you're perfectly accepted by God, right, and He's going to walk with you through these hard times and show you grace and mercy, He's promised to do that, promised to forgive you when you sin, then we have great freedom to begin walking with Him, enjoying the things of the kingdom, the work of the kingdom that He's called us to, we get to enjoy all of life with him because of who we are in Jesus. Yeah, Ben, you can come on up. Yeah, it, it just honors our good God when he has saved us through the costly blood of Jesus to walk in the freedom he's given us, to enjoy life, to live it to the full. Nobody should enjoy earth like Christians. I, I love Augustine. He says, love God and do what you want. <laughs> Did you hear that? Love God and do what you want. Live free, right? And a person who loves God is going to live in the fullest possible way that we were meant to be. And so to walk in that freedom is a blessing to us and exalts our God who paid for that freedom that we might walk in fullness of life. I mean, this is, this is the goodness of the gospel message, right? That, that Jesus, as the author of Hebrews told us, he paid for our sins once and for all. It's done. He is our perfect mediator. He says, you are clean and holy. Now walk with me and enjoy life and enjoy eternity forever. In fact, 1 Peter 1.3 tells us this, that God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory in excellence. In other words, because you know Jesus, you have everything you need to live a great life with Him, fully accepted by God, free to do the great things that He's called you to do, everything to enjoy Him now and forever. So Christian, know who you are. You are His loved and accepted child. Know where you stand with Him, fully accepted, and walk in that freedom full of life today. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for this gospel message that you drive home chapter after chapter after chapter. We get it at least a little, enough to save us, God, but we don't get it to the core of our being like we need to. This is why you teach us again and again, and so God, let us grasp anew and afresh how we are as your kids, loved and accepted, who you love to give good gifts to, to your glory and our blessing. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.